welcome to Unraveling Pink, a podcast tackling gender bias at work. I'm Annie Rogaski. This is a fun episode for me because we go back to November when I was posting daily male ally moment stories. This was a story from Laura Marino. I include her story here again, but also she introduced me to her male ally, Larry Heck, whom I interviewed separately. And a really interesting theme arose from this combined interview, which I will share with you at the end. Here is Laura and then Larry. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Laura Marino. I'm a vice president of product management at a software company in San Francisco. I'm also a guest lecturer at Stanford University and a board member of Leading Women in Technology, a nonprofit that helps promote women leaders. Tell us about your male ally moment. It was so early in my career in the tech industry when I experienced a truly remarkable male ally moment. I had been with the company for a few years. I had a small team and had established a good relationship with engineering when my boss, the director of product management and product marketing, resigned. At the time, as a typical woman, it didn't even occur to me that I should ask for the position. But a few days later, I was told that I had been chosen as the new director for the team. I also found out that it had been the vice president of engineering and the vice president of research and development, both male, who had convinced the CEO and my new boss, the VP of marketing, that I was the right person for the job. As my wise friend Joanna Bloor says, most decisions made about you are made in a room that you are not in. And that was very much the case here. But Doug and Larry, these two male VPs, were the best allies I could have hoped for at that moment. Their endorsement has had lasting positive impact on my career, primarily because it gave me the confidence that I could succeed in the male-dominated technology industry. And more importantly, it served as an example to their mostly male teams that women could be true partners and professional equals. It has been a long time since we worked together, but I have kept in touch with Larry and Doug over the years. I don't believe that they realized how meaningful it was that they supported me as a woman at that point, because they both naturally look at each individual's potential independently of gender, race, or other characteristics. But I do believe that that attitude is precisely what has made them both so successful in their careers and has allowed them to build high-performing, loyal teams in some of the best-known tech companies in Silicon Valley. My parting thought for male in the tech industry is being an ally to women has a bigger positive impact than you would imagine on the women you support, on your team, and on your own long-term success. So welcome. I'm here today with Larry Heck. It's nice to see you. Yeah, thanks. Nice to be here. So you just heard Laura Marino's story of her male ally moment, and Larry is one of the male allies from that story. Um, Larry, is there anything you'd like to share with us about who you are? Well, I'm, uh, I've been out here in the Valley for all my career, actually, for 26 years, and uh, mostly been uh, managing researchers in 
artificial intelligence and or doing research in the field. And so Laura and I worked together at uh, Nuance mm -hmm. back in the heyday of startups. And uh, I was there from 98 to 2005. We overlapped that at that time. So in the, are you in the AI space? Yes. Yeah. Does that space tend to have a lot of females in it? No, actually, no, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I think it's like most of tech, you know, there's the, the percentage of women, particularly on the engineering side and the computer science side is, mm -hmm. is not like it should be. Well, you still managed to be an ally to Laura in the story that she told. Um, what was your reaction to hearing her story? Well, first I was really proud of it. Yeah. Uh, that meant a lot to me. And uh, Laura and I worked together a long time ago, you know, so it was uh, a pleasant surprise. And uh, the, other, the other reaction was, I, you know, I didn't even think about it at the time. You know, you, 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 you learn about these things of, of unconscious bias, and I think in that case it was unconscious unbiased. <laughs> and that I didn't even, it didn't even really occur to me. I mean, it was just so natural for us to uh, promote Laura into that position or advocate for Laura to be in that uh, leadership position. A few things strike me about that. One is that it was, as you said, a long time ago. I think one of the things that I'm finding as I talk with women about their male ally moments is that these moments have a significant impact on women, so mm -hmm. significant that they remember them yeah. 10, 20 years later. I didn't realize that later. with Laura, yeah. Yeah, and, and I that think it's important that, that men understand how much of an impact that can have. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you said that, that struck me is, is, is that it wasn't even, it wasn't conscious but it wasn't unconscious bias as we usually think of unconscious mm -hmm. biases. It was almost like it was just a decision to be made and gender mm -hmm. wasn't a question that right. came into it. Right, exactly. And often I think there's a question about how do, how do women get positioned for promotions or positions, especially when they're not in the room. And you were in the room where that, that decision was being made, Laura was not in that room. Mm -hmm. Was there something she did to give you the information and facts and tools that you needed to advocate for her or that brought her to mind as the right person for that? Well, Laura is always very uh, present in meetings and very outspoken in a, in a constructive, positive way. And so, and so everybody, everybody recognized that, you know, Laura was a leader. And, uh, and so it was really more of a situation of other positions that or other groups that wanted her to take uh, the lead on their uh, yeah. product mm -hmm. and and us advocating that no 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 you know we, we want Laura <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was pretty easy mm -hmm. for Laura in her case I wonder sometimes if there's a difference where I talk with the, I, I think a lot of the male ally moment stories that I hear from women um, are from women who are quite accomplished mm -hmm. And I wonder sometimes if they're in a different position just because of the success they've had or how they've managed to get to a position. Is there something that comes to mind for you where women who maybe haven't succeeded at that level should be thinking about to help their allies help them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, in, you know, I've, like I said, I've been in uh, managing research and uh, from small groups to large groups. At one point I was managing uh, almost 500 people. And so I've, I've had a lot of um, 
opportunity to mentor male and female uh, people. And one thing, I, one thing I've, I've seen, particularly with people just starting out in their career, women that are just starting out in their career, actually, and, and men as well, uh, is just trying to find this balance between, you know, being correct uh, a high percentage of time yeah. and balancing that with speaking up, even if you're not quite sure that you're, you're going to be correct. And I think the mistake that a lot of people make early in their career is they think, okay, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make any mistakes. So I'm just not going to say anything. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to speak up in meetings. And, and, you know, uh, I think a lot of the conversations I've had in mentoring with, and this is especially true with women coming into the, you know, male dominant tech mm-hmm. uh, field is just speak up, just say what you need to say, say what you believe, and you may not be right, but um, but the your opinion and your perspective matters. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about that, I was uh, back in the office of uh, my boss and my second job as a lawyer, and I was like the second or third year lawyer and brand new to patent litigation, and I felt like I didn't know anything and I would be in these calls with her, with clients and opposing counsel, and I would just sit there and take it all in. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at some point, I, I wanted to say something, but I felt like I was going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, and for me, it was, it was a while before I kind of got my sea legs and said, okay, I know enough that I'm not going to make a complete fool of myself. But it took a while for me to get there and it was just Mm -hmm. my own natural progression and i think if people were encouraged more early on and had that support knew that someone had their back they could get there faster yeah i I remember a a time when i was managing it wasn't that actually that long ago i was managing a relatively small group of researchers and in the group at that time we only had one uh woman and she was straight out of school Mm -hmm. and uh so the most junior on the team. Most junior on the team. Uh, and so we were, and this is very technical um, work that we're doing. This is at Google. And we're in Google Research. And uh, the, so the, the, the woman um, came up to me after just a couple weeks on the job. And she, she, was, she was pretty frustrated. And she said, you know, nobody's uh, listening to me. You know, it's just kind of, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm just uh, not on the team. I'm not contributing to the team. And of course, I had been in these meetings. And what I, what I said to her was, well, you know, you need to actually say something before you can say that people aren't listening to you. And she kind of looked at me and I said, you're, you're not speaking up in the meetings. Oh, interesting. You know, and I, I said, you, you know, you, you may think you are, but you're not. And, and then she, uh, she, said, she told me the idea that she had in this particular technical discussion that we had the, the previous meeting. And I told her, you know, that's a great idea. You should, you should just state it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people may not agree with you, or you, and you may not be right. In this case, I think you are, but, um, but you just need to state it and put it out there. And then, uh, I mean, that's just your job. That's what, that's what we hired you for. Yeah. Um, she said, okay. So we went into the next meeting and, uh, and we were early in the discussion and this topic came up again that we were this technical problem that we were trying to solve. And then she stated her opinion. She said, Hey, you know what? Actually, I don't think we should go that way. I think we should go this way. And everybody stopped. I think part of it was people were surprised that she said <laughs> something. And then um, one of the kind of the leaders 
uh, a man turned to her and said, that's, that's a good idea. Hmm. And after the meeting, she came up to me and she said, that, that was magical. That was just so cool. You know, and I told her, I said, well, you know, it, it wasn't really very magical. It was just, you're smart and you have good ideas and you just need to state them. And if you do, sometimes people won't follow you. But in your case, I bet you a lot of times people will follow you because mm -hmm. you, you, you're, you're, we hired you because you have all this talent, right? Yeah. Wow. That's a great story. It's uh it's interesting to, to hear it as a third party because I can also kind of envision her reluctance. And I think it's amazing that number one, she came to you. So you must have been mm -hmm. accessible enough to her that she felt like she could come to you with this problem. Um, but also that um, I think there is a sense among women that if they if they put an idea out there and it gets shot down, that that's a more significant thing than mm -hmm. just, you know, a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, as you were telling that story, I was wondering what would have happened if the reaction had not been positive. Right. If that would have shut her down for future meetings or if she would have pushed through that. But what struck me as, as a kind of fantastic male ally moment is that you made it safe for her to mm -hmm. do that. So clearly she had some reluctance or she would have spoken up sooner. And by, by being there, it's, you know, supporting her behind the scenes, but knowing that you were going to be in the meeting and that you would probably have her back. I think it's, right. it, that really goes a long way to helping women take that first step, right. if, if that's a barrier for them. Right. I, I think early in my career, I made the mistake of having discussions like that before a meeting and then coming into the meeting and, and then saying, hey, uh, you know, this person told me this idea and I think it's a good idea. Mm. And by doing that, it, um, it takes away this growth opportunity and sort of uh, uh, opportunity to establish a role in the group from the person. Mm -hmm. Because I basically took that from them, and it also can be a little awkward, you know, for the why, 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 why is she talking to the boss, you know, mm -hmm. uh, ahead of the meetings, that sort of thing. And um, she knew that in this case, um, I already supported the idea, so that was good. Yeah. the The interesting follow-on to that story is that, of course, that that didn't solve all the problems mm -hmm. that you know uh, that she had in terms of having a voice because now she had to fly solo so now she had to come up with ideas and she didn't talk to me ahead of time and she didn't know if I agreed with them so she continued to try to grow in that way and uh, one of the things that occurred to me is that there was another person at Google that had worked in my group at Yahoo who reminded me a lot uh, of her now she had advanced up in the ranks at Google and now she was uh, a very successful manager. But in her early stage of her career, she was a lot like the, the individual I'm talking about. And uh, so I connected them up oh, nice. uh, as a mentoring relationship. Oh. And uh, I think that helped a lot, made a lot of difference. It was kind of a role model yeah. uh, where, where they could talk about, you know, all of these challenges early in the career of, of finding your voice and mm -hmm. having a voice. Yeah. I think that was important for her. Yeah, definitely. When you're the only woman in your group, it's nice to talk with another that you can see is successful. Yeah. In a similar path. I'm always curious when I talk 
with uh, male allies, uh, especially when they say something like you said, which is common, um, which is that uh, they didn't even think about it. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't. It was just kind of. It was a no-brainer. Why wouldn't I have put Laura up for that promotion? How did you get to that place? Like, is there something that um, other men could be thinking about to help them become better allies to women? Or is it just, you know, you grew up that way and it's just part of your, your being? I guess I grew up that way. You know, my mother uh, was... Uh, and and my dad, but uh, they were two of the smartest people that I've known. Neither one of them um, finished their ninth grade year mm. in school. They both stopped in eighth grade. Uh, they were farmers in South Dakota, and and you know they had they struggled to to kind of make a living and get things going. And uh, but they were just so smart you know just of uh and 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 dedicated to education and mm -hmm. you know so i grew up in a household where uh you know my mom was sitting me with me uh going through you know uh, uh math homework early early i remember this mm -hmm. uh, early memories and you know so i just i guess that's probably uh started that way in terms of a very uh, balanced kind of view of men and women and, and, and the roles. And I think, you know, growing up in that and then, um, and my, and my, my older sister is, uh, you know, she went to college, she became a dental hygienist, she's now a professor and, you know, uh, also very smart. I really look up to her and, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of positive uh, role female role models for me early in my life. Yeah, yeah, that probably does help a lot. Do you have any advice or a challenge for our guests of something that they can go into work tomorrow and put into action? Well, I mean, I think I would just start very simple in this, in the, like in the story I told where, you know, just I would, I would go into work and, and look for the the male managers, male leaders that have females in their team and and say, hey, make sure that the female on your team has a voice, but do it in the right way, right? Empower them, have one-on-ones with them, make sure that you know where they're at uh, and where they want to be in terms of their voice, but encourage them to have their own voice. Just simple things like that. I like that. It's a great yeah. challenge. Everybody needs to have a voice at work. Yep. And it can be hard, especially when you're the only woman or one of the few women on your team. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for yeah, joining thanks. us. Yeah. Thank you, Laura and Larry, for those stories. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that a theme emerged from the stories that Laura and Larry shared. And the theme for me was finding your voice, which may have been somewhat apparent from the title, but it occurred to me that there is a, uh, a spectrum or a development of voices. And I think this impacts both men and women, but particularly I see it among the women that I mentor. And it's consistent with Larry's story where early in one's career, uh, it can be hard to find your voice and it can be hard to find a safe place where you feel comfortable putting your opinions out there, even though they may be wrong. 
I know in my profession, the legal profession, uh, there is a reluctance to kind of go on the record and be wrong. And I think that puts a lot of pressure to not speak up until you know that you're right, which is not exactly a good way of learning. But Larry's story combined with Laura's story to me reflects that as we exercise our voices, they get stronger and stronger. And one of the reasons that it was so easy for Larry to advocate for Laura in that room that she wasn't in was because she had exercised her voice. She had a clear message about who she was and what she wanted to do. And she was able to voice that opinion clearly so that Larry and others heard it and knew it and remembered it. So I echo Larry's challenge and I encourage all of us to find our voices and to speak up and to make sure that those around us are aware of what we stand for and who we are and what we want to do. So I hope you'll join in all of the challenges of this episode from Laura and Larry and me. Together we can unravel the pink bandana. (laughs) 